Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, Merry Christmas. Welcome to the uh, Christmas season 2021. Is it too early? to say Merry Christmas? Can we say, all right, say, wherever you are, say Merry Christmas to whoever is around you on the count three. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. There you go. And the question that's going to drive us today and through this series is right here. What was Jesus really like? It's a great question. It's a deep question. What was Jesus really like? And so this may be obvious, but let me just Let me just kind of put this together. The Christian is from Jesus Christ. Maybe that's obvious. Christmas is from Jesus Christ. So the Christ is in Christmas. And the only way to understand Christian or or Christmas is to understand Jesus Christ. What was he, what is he, really like. And you would think since he's the most recognized name and person all of human history, you would think this would be easy because we have so much information, but we also have so much misinformation, right? There's so much that isn't quite right. Like we have misconceptions of Christ. Let me just give you one of the misconceptions of Christ that Jesus was or is a killjoy. Now you might not use the word killjoy, but we did when I was growing up. I mean, man, he's just such a killjoy. In other words, if you want to have fun, if you want to have joy, that person, oh, they, just, they just kill it. They don't want you to have fun. How many of you remember being in biology class in school? Maybe you're in it right now uh, doing dissecting of any kind. Hands, how many of you remember doing that? Well, I was in ninth grade biology, and we were dissecting a cow eye. It was really quite awesome, but we were a little bored, so Fred Brandt, he was kind of like the Travis Billman of our class. And we double dog dared him to eat a cow eye. We got it up to five bucks. This was the end of the 70s. That's a lot of money. We got up to five bucks, and he said, I'll do it. And before the teacher could stop him, because that's what a teacher is. A teacher's a killjoy. A what? A killjoy. Come on, teach. Think that's what teachers are. Teachers are killjoy. They don't want you to have fun. Parents are killjoys. God's a killjoy. Jesus is a killjoy. But Fred popped it in his mouth. You heard it pop when he chewed. Oh, it was, I'm telling you, it was disgusting. And it took less than a minute before he was vomiting all over class. It's fantastic. See, the teacher wasn't a killjoy. She she was trying to bring joy. Hang with me. Because here's always the turn. Most often what we think is joyful is vomitable. It's what sin is. See, when you're a kid, you think your parents are a killjoy. Jesus is a killjoy. But as soon as you become a parent, if you really love your kids, you're not trying to kill their joy. You're trying to bring them real joy, a life of joy. When Jesus came, he was full of joy. Look at the announcement of his coming. 
The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great, what everybody? Joy for all the people. That includes us today. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Look who God is. When God gets involved in your life with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God the Son, this triune God. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of God is love and what? Joy. Look what Jesus said to his disciples applies to us. I have told you this so that my joy, so Jesus is saying my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How amazing. This, this is God who gives us joy. So let's go back to the question. What was Jesus really like? The answer is he was full of joy. In fact, I want you to answer it here at Sugarloaf. Live, I want you, like, you're the cheerleaders, okay? So I'm going to ask the question, what was Jesus really like? And you're going to say, full of joy, we'll do it three times. And wherever you are, at a campus, at 12 Stone Home, if you're online, if you're all alone, if you're in the car, if you're on your computer, I don't care where you are, you answer it. Who is Jesus? Loud, proud. Are you ready? Here we go. I'll, I'll ask the question. You answer it together. Ready? What was Jesus really like? What was Jesus really like? What was Jesus really like? Everybody gets an A. You got the answer right. Well done. See, in our prayer today is that you would experience the Jesus who is, who is full of joy. That you would have his joy. Two groups. First group. We're going to talk to Christians, and through this December series, followers of Christ, and our prayer is that he would restore the joy of your salvation. Pastor Jason and I have had some pretty honest conversations preparing for this series, and one of them has been that we would not want any of you to know how often he and I, on our own, independently, over the years, have prayed, oh God, restore the joy of my salvation, because are we the only ones, but haven't you experienced sometimes your faith gets dry, dull, feels mechanical? Can, can anybody own this? That there, it feels like I'm just checking off the boxes. Yeah, I'm doing church. I'm honoring God with, with offerings and first fruits. I'm, I'm doing the, but my prayers don't seem to get above the ceiling. I, I just, it's dry. It feels dead. It's going nowhere. And you, you, you need God to restore the joy of your salvation. That you know he is full of joy. Phil, give me that joy. And sometimes that just dissipates. Uh, so if I'm being uh, fully transparent, uh, I am not one. I'm not the guy who loves um, all of the efforts of movies and videos to portray Jesus Christianity in the Bible. I, I'm not being critical. I'm really not. But when I watch them, like, they're usually cheesy and boring and flat, and, and I'm not trying to critique anyone, but I, I really don't like most of the Christian film efforts. So I'm not going after it. Like, I'm a Christian. Um, I, I get what we're trying to do, but it rarely trans, translates. And then people are trying to get me to watch The Chosen. I'm like, hey, have you watched it? And I, I appreciate that. That's awesome. And that's what I keep getting. I'm like, watch The Chosen. Watch it. I haven't watched The Chosen. I, I'm off work. I don't want. Okay. So anyhow. So I watched it, and you know, I watched season one, episode one, two, three, really didn't grab me. 
until I hit season four. Sorry. And they cap- captured something of the divinity and humanity of Jesus and his sheer joy. And I came undone. And for Jesus, man, come on. And for four, five, six, seven, I was undone. And I know it looks like you don't look like you're undone. You look like you cry like a little baby. <laughs> it restored a joy in my soul and reminded me who Jesus is and what we get apart. He may not do that for you. I pray he does. Part of the point of this series is that we pray he does. Because we think Jesus is a killjoy when he's the source of joy. And sometimes what you need most is him to restore the joy of your salvation. Because that could just get dry. You can lose your place. And when I got done, I'm like, we need to use this in the December series. We've got to, we got to have this. But you can't legally use it. So we're in dialogue with the chosen. And, and I just want to tell you something. There's no way we can do legally what we're doing. But for those of you who would question us, we have, they are generous, gracious. We are grateful. We have permission to use their series in our series for this whole month any way we want. Push it forward. So we're going to leverage the chosen in the Christmas season. It's just an adaptation, but we, that you might better understand who Jesus is. And that you would be captured. But I hope you'll go check out the series. Maybe one doesn't grab you, but the other episode does. And we can only do slices. And listen, it's an adaptation. You'll have to go into scripture and know where it's extra biblical and at the core of the Bible. I get that. I understand it. And we'll do our best to kind of take the pieces we can in the short time and pray that the Spirit of God restores the joy of your salvation. But there's a second group. Uh, that we want to speak to in this series. So those of you who are spiritually unresolved, our prayer for you is that you would awaken the joy of salvation through Jesus. Listen, uh, you can never know true joy until you know the, the source of joy. And Jesus is the author of joy and the source of joy. And there's no joy like knowing Jesus. And so our intention in this series is that every time we gather in the month of December, when we close the service, we want to have prayer with you and over you. And for some of you, it's to restore the joy of your salvation. For others, it's that you might come to salvation in Jesus. That's our agenda. So we're going to look at four snapshots over this series, leveraging the chosen as an adaptation to help you engage the story of what's really going on in who Jesus is. So today, Luke chapter 5. Grab your Bibles across the campuses. If it's a worship center Bible, it's on page 1031. Or grab your app, whatever works for you. If you're at home or in a, in a home group, uh, turn over to, to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to step in to the story. Matthew chapter 5, or rather Luke, I'm sorry, not Matthew. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Now, here's how it begins. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee... The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Jesus is a rabbi. We get context. He's about 30 years old. He's entering into his public ministry. It's in the midst of the time where the Jews are under the oppression, the rule of Rome. 
And so there's political tyranny, and they're under high pressure. They have taxes due to Rome. There's personal and financial oppression. So part of what I love about what the chosen does is they step into that, into the genre. So some things that really just aren't in scripture, in this story, they add to it to give it life in three dimension, but it's consistent with the culture and the times. And they would be praying, oh God, relieve our pressure, relieve our what? Pressure, not unlike us today. Now, Peter, who eventually became a follower of Christ at this moment was not. He was about 20 to 22 years old. He was married, owned a fishing business, worked it with his brother, Andrew. They were partners with James and John, who also eventually became followers of Christ, disciples. And this is the moment where a miracle happens and they're called to something greater, higher. They experience the joy of Jesus. This is a profound story. But before the verses we just read, before that morning when Jesus stood on the boat, something happened that night. Now you're about to step into a story. What's true about the story from scripture is that they were fishing all night. The context is really smartly written because it's like us. We all know what it means to be under pressure. Here's Peter under pressure trying to provide fishing. Check it out. your descendants as many as the stars in the heavens and then what huh make the chosen as many as the stars only to let Egypt enslave us for generations bring us out of Egypt Part the Red Sea, only to let us wander in the desert for 40 years. Give us the land, only to let us be exiled in Babylon. Bring us back, only to be crushed by Rome. This is the God 
I've served so faithfully my entire life. You're the God I'm supposed to thank. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you enjoy yanking us around like goats and can't decide whether we're chosen or not. Which one is it? Ah! Simon! Andrew? Who are you talking to? Apparently no one. You shouldn't joke like that, my friend. Yeah, your friends might think you've lost faith. James and John, I presume. And who brought the old man? I heard you need a real fisherman. Hmm. You know, we could be critical of Peter's rant. Here he had all this knowledge. But God is incredibly disappointing because he has an empty boat. When you're under pressure, don't you wonder, where is God? Haven't you ever done that? Can we, can anybody ever wonder, where is God when you're under pressure and your boat's empty? Your marriage is empty. Your family is empty. Your career is empty. Your soul is empty. Your emotions are empty. Your character is empty. Your bank account is empty. Where is God? Oh, I understand his rant. In fact, sometimes we get so frustrated with God, we pretend we're more faithful than he is. We start pretending we've been faithful all these years and he hasn't. It's what pressure does. Can you imagine fishing all night and scoring zero fish? I mean, these are pros. They do this for a living. It's like LeBron James shooting bricks a whole game and not one point. Do you know how frustrated he would be? You do know because you've had empty boats. We all have. So they've come to shore. After a night of nothing, verse three, Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Watch. Simon, it's him. Excuse me. That's him. Simon, that's him. No time for this, Andrew. It's him. Simon, it's the man. John said he's here. Right now. May I ask a favor? I'm teaching these people, and apparently they're having trouble hearing me. If I could stand on your boat, that would be helpful. They're having trouble hearing you, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Please, please, stand on my boat. Thank you. I need to go. I'm sorry. No time for this today. Stay a few moments longer. I have something for you. For me? Uh, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. Just allow me a few moments, please. Sam, trust me as I have trusted you. This man is the Messiah. It's good to see you again, Andrew. Yes. I'm Jesus. Thanks for this. Simon. In my last moments with you, I want to share another story. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Well, let's thank our friends for this strong boat, huh? Trust me, my yelling voice is not easy on the ears. Because I'm on this boat, 
My final parable should be about fishing, yes? Simon, please send me that net. When this net is thrown into the sea, what happens, Simon? Well, I mean most of the time. It gathers. A, a little louder. It gathers fish. Yes. This net gathers fish. All kinds of fish, yes? Yes. All kinds of fish. And the kingdom of heaven is like what happens next. After the net is full, Simon and the others draw it to the shore, sit down, and sort out the fish. The good fish go into the barrels, and the bad fish thrown away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. Do you understand? I have some business to attend to with my new friend. And so Peter thought the moment was over. Jesus steps up. Jesus delivers truth. By the way, what are you going to do with the knowledge of Jesus? I mean, when he delivers truth, what are you going to do with what you now know? So Peter thinks the moment is over, and then he's about to discover Jesus is no mere man. Look at verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, by the way, Simon Peter, same guy. Jesus eventually changed his name from Simon to Peter, so he's often called Simon Peter, Simon or Peter, interchangeable. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water. Into the what water, everybody? Put into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Hey, look, we're not, there's no fish, Jesus. I don't know what's on your mind, but there's, there's no fish. We've already done this. Well, do it anyway. Go into the deep. Huh. Maybe you limit the power of God in your life when you fail to go deep. Maybe just on the other side of your obedience is a move of God waiting, but you have to go deeper. We'll come back to that. I chose this story because I love, love, love what happens and how the chosen captures it, at least for me. This is what started dismantling me in a good way spiritually and restoring joy. They captured the humanity and the divinity of Jesus with joy. So just watch Jesus. I think they capture it well. I know it's an adaptation. <laughs> Look at the way he gently stares, expecting obedience. Look at, Look at the gentle nod. Understand, absorb the power of what happened in that moment of a miracle when the creator simply spoke. Look at the joy on Jesus' face. We make him such a killjoy when he's full of joy. Look how he gives a nod to his heavenly father. Watch. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. 
But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. now what is Jesus like he's full of joy what is Jesus like he's full of joy but Peter had to obey now that's what takes you deep what if you're one obedience away from the joy Jesus would love to give you but you walk out of the boat and you don't throw the net back in what if sometimes we're joyless and we don't even realize it's because we walked away from the boat? We walked away from our last obedience. Huh. What if he really is the source of joy? I thought that was beautifully portrayed. But finally, don't kid yourself. Last moment. When Peter finally figures out, this is no mere man. This is the Messiah. When you encounter the real God, you will humble yourself. You will be humble. You will fall to your knees. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Watch. My brother and the baptizer, <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. 
You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish to the market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> You've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. All right, now you have the story. Let me give you two observations. Let me just cut to it for the sake of our time. Let's, let's learn something from what the Spirit of God would teach us today. If you want to enter Jesus' joy, if you want the joy of Jesus who is full of joy, the author of joy, the sustainer of joy, two things come from this story. Fall on your knees and get in deep water. Fall on your knees and get in deep water. Let's take a moment to talk to both groups. The first one, fall on your knees. Listen, when you encounter Jesus, and you finally figure out this is no mere man, this is the Messiah. Your only response is to fall on your knees. Did you hear the two things Peter said? This is instructive to how you come to faith in Jesus. I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry. Those were the two most important things he said in that moment when he fell on his knees. I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry, sometimes we've lost the joy of our salvation because we've stepped back into sin comfortably and we're not sorry. And it's costing us fellowship with God. Some of us are spiritually unresolved. And we are living our lives like Peter was portrayed. Did you see how the story started and Peter was correcting God? But by the end, he's confessing to God. Do you see that journey? We're all on that journey. We start with correcting God. <laughs> and I don't want to be a part. I'm not going to follow a God who brings suffering. You don't have to because he didn't bring it. We did. Satan and sin brought that. That's not God. See, when, G when Peter encountered the real Jesus, he realized he always existed. Stay with me. Just if you don't know who Jesus was and is, he always existed. He was physically born, we commemorate it, on December 25th. But he didn't begin to exist December 25th. He has always existed. He was never created. He is the creator. 
So he gave prophecy of himself hundreds of years before and then fulfilled them all so we would know in our minds with truth and logic rationally, this is the living God. He has always existed. He is almighty and all human. When he came to earth, he is the almighty. That's why it was no big deal for him to fill a net with fish. When you create the fish, you just go over there. They go. What Peter can't do, Jesus can do with the move of a finger. When you're the creator, creation obeys you. When you finally figure out who you are not and Jesus is, you will fall to your knees here or there. That is Merry Christmas, but he was all human and almighty. He took on a physical body. He left heaven, came to earth, so he would be God with us. God with us. God loves you that much. You matter to God, and he came for you. He came to give his life and die on the cross to cover your sin debt so you could know him. What more could he do? Oh, I don't want a God who's... Bring suffering in empty boats. Good. This is the God who brings salvation and fills boats. Come to him. Fall on your knees. Say yes to the living God. Quit correcting him. Confess to him. See, we have misconceptions. I wrote down a couple. Here's one of them. If my boat's empty, it's God's fault. Even, it's fascinating. Even people who don't believe in God blame him. Well, I don't believe in God. Because so-and-so is suffering. Hold it. You can't say you don't believe him and then blame him. God's not the source of empty boats. Satan and sin is. And we've joined it. So if you have an empty life and an empty marriage and an empty career and an empty bank account and an empty, 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 welcome to the world of sin. Own it. Quit correcting God. We are not more faithful than him. We have misconceptions of God. Here's another one. That joy is in a full boat. It's a misconception. If my boat was full, I would have joy just for a little bit. Watch this. Peter thought at the beginning that a full boat would bring him joy. And he was mad at God because God didn't fill his boat. And a lot of us are mad at God because he's not filling our boats. But notice that when God, when Jesus filled his boat, Peter traded a full boat to follow Jesus. You know why? Because he figured out a full boat is not the source of joy. The source of joy is the one who can fill the boat. And that's Jesus. You walk away from full boats as soon as you figure out who can fill them. The goal of life isn't to follow Jesus, to get him to fill your boat and then be mad at him when your boat's not full. It's to follow Jesus because he's the source of joy and you trust him and you walk with him and you break all inconvenience to do all that he says. Because the next miracle is only possible with our obedience and his power. You see, the great thing that happened there was not what went in the net. It's, it's, it, the transformation was not fish getting in a net. It's what happened in Peter. That's the greatest miracle. The great miracle waiting for you at Christmas is not God giving you a full boat. It's Jesus giving you a new heart.
come to the one who is the source of joy. That's why we say our prayer is for those of you who are spiritually unresolved that you would awaken to the joy of salvation. There's a second group. And the second group is believers. That you would get in deep water. And now I have the standard dilemma that is not your problem. It is mine. My wife, Marsha, has to listen to it all the time. I have an hour of teaching for six minutes. 60 minutes of insight for six minutes of time. I said to her this morning, if they would just give me 50 minutes, it would blow their minds. She said, aren't you in charge? Can't you just do what you want? I wanted to apply that at home, but I know who's in charge. So <laughs> let me take you on a journey and I'm going to do it super fast, slow to you fast for me, or I'll speak so fast that in my Northern speak, you'll have to go back and re-listen. Many times we lose joy because we are either spiritually adrift in our thinking, in our being or our living. And you have to know what spiritually deep is. What is spiritually deep? Marsha and I were at dinner with some friends a couple months ago, and they asked, well, what, what, do you, what is spiritually deep? So I said, let me make it simply clear. It's to know, it's to be, and it's to do. Everybody say it with me. Know, be, do. Do it again. Know, be, do. I said to Dan Ron, he said, you mean Scooby-Doo? I said, no, no, be, do, not Scooby-Doo. It is no be do. And deep is when you do all three. And joy is when you're deep. You don't get joy until you're deep. I'm convinced that the joy begins here, but it has to continue. You have to know like Jesus, be like Jesus, and do like Jesus. Know like Jesus is knowledge. And knowledge is important. Biblical knowledge is the truth. And Peter had the truth. But Jesus took him on a journey. That truth had to go from his head to his heart. Watch this. It's got to go from your head to your heart. It's not enough to know. Stay with me. There's a group of people who think that knowing is enough and knowing is deep. And by the way, knowing is deep, but it's not deep enough. It's not really deep. Just having information. Information alone puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. There is a crowd of Christianity in our country that believes deep is just knowing. And it's, it's truly shallow thinking. Do you know the people who knew the most in the time of Jesus? Pharisees. You know what he called them? Hypocrites. Why? Because they had all this breadth of knowledge, but they didn't go deep. It didn't transfer their heart or their hands. They didn't do it. So it has to go from no to be. From no to what? B. B is where it goes from your head to your heart. Now, now this is where you are transformed. That's when Peter falls on his knees. That's when Peter gets changed. That's, when, that's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Listen, people who are all about no and don't transfer it to be have a hard time being humble. You'll know someone has challenges from no to be because they'll have to admit, I have a difficulty being humble. But B calls deeper into do. Into what? Do. See, 
do is where it goes from your heart to your hands. You actually change your money, your calendar, your time, your energy, your efforts, your passions, what you do. James said it this way. You show me your faith by what you know. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Faith without works is dead. By the way, at 12 Stone, when we teach, we teach all three. I'm not criticizing anyone else. I'm just telling you, we live in a culture that is starting to say no is deep as if be and do is not as if this is fluff when actually this is deep. If all you do is know it, but you can't be it or do it, you're shallow. Get deeper. The joy is down here. And when God restores your joy, he usually takes you deeper in be and do what you know has to transfer. Look at the way the story ended with Peter. Well, we'll make a great team on a boat. Son. Joke. <laughs> Fish are nothing. You have much bigger things ahead of you, Simon, son of Jonah. Did you understand that parable I told earlier? From now on, I will make you fishers of men. And you are to gather as many as possible, all kinds. I will sort them out later. Peter, when it started, you had a lot of knowledge that didn't transfer. Then you became humble and you began to join in being like Jesus, changing your heart. Now I need you to go do the things of the kingdom like Jesus did. It moves from it being all about you, which tends to be inward, to moving outward. Now, this is where I don't have any time left, so I'm going to say it anyway because I'm in charge. I want to show you what's happened culturally during the pandemic so you understand how this got broke. In the pandemic, the activity of the church, along with all other kinds of forms of work and business in the community, which the church is not a business, but nonetheless shut down due. And we cease to serve one another and serve the community. And unbeknownst to many of us, the do cost us something because this was deep. And then the bee got shut down to be with one another and be like Jesus and love others. And you quit being in community and you just sit online with your particular brand of knowledge and you watch Christians. In fact, unbelievers listening to me right now are not interested in Jesus because they have watched Christians who act like anything but Jesus online, in social media, and everywhere else. Because you hibernate in your little tribe of collecting only the knowledge that you particularly care about, and even only this little thin biblical stuff you happen to like, and you don't go anywhere else, and then you call knowledge deep, and you don't get into be, and you don't get into do, and it is so dangerous and destructive. And church, it makes us inward when Jesus designed us to be outward. So I want you to know God is going to rebuild his church and we got to join him. We got to go from no to be to do and from inward to outward. And by the way, that means when we say we're going to do stuff, it's deep. 
So when I say in January, we're going to go after a next level for the next generation, and you're going to hear Pastor Jason talk about the kind of devotional book materials he did with his kids, we're going to buy all that for the families, and then in February, we're going to launch the next level of, of next generation children's ministry stuff that we've been talking about on Forward Vision, and that's all important, and we're invested in that because this has got to go deeper, but no is not enough. It's got to get into B. By the way, this B thing is shut down for many. Many of us, and now I'm just going to be blunt, some of us are worshiping at the altar of convenience. I'm not talking to those of you who are being online and listening right now. It's like the real breakthrough for you spiritually. Great. Stay in. God's doing something in you. Many of you have moved to 12 Stone Home. That's awesome. Keep making that movement. But a whole bunch of you are local, and you could be at a campus live when actually you're just... Ah, you're just on your spiritual lazy butt. Get off your spiritual lazy butt and get where you belong in person. I said it because I don't have time to be delicate. And, and for some of us, the B is just get in community. It's why I'm doing the party for people, only for people who are empty nesters or 55 plus. By the way, that's just 4Q Christmas to 3774. They're going to put it up there uh, because that's just for those of us who are at that stage. The party's next week. We're going to have fun with that. Awesome. We'll go do that. It's 4Q Christmas at 37748. Jump in on it and I'll stop the, the signups uh, when, when we're full, which we're almost full anyway. Okay, that, this B thing matters. The do thing matters. We're doing jambos. So, so you take a portion of your, of your Christmas and you go give pajamas to kids who don't have them and you do it sacrifice. Well, I don't have to do that. Yes, you do. It's going deep. By the way, you get more joy filling somebody else's boat than Jesus filling yours. That's part of what it means to go deep. You can see I just won't shut up. Can you feel it? You're like, he just will not shut up. That, here's the advantage of online. Boop. Now he shut up because I'm not listening anymore. But you're all sitting here like, ah, what are we going to do? Serve. Tell your campus pastor it's time to get back to serving. Invest. We got vision forward. Your year in giving, go make things happen for the kingdom. Be a part of what God's called us to get together. Fishers of men, stop making this Christianity thing about you. Great joy is when you help someone else find Jesus. So let's go get this at Christmas. Let's be fishers of men. So what's your next move to go deep? I'm going to turn the service to the campus pastors, and we're going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to pray over two groups. Those of you who really are asking God, restore the joy of my salvation. And those of you who might today be ready, never said yes to Jesus. And this might be your fall on your knees and come to faith in Jesus. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.